Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Give to us this morning. Do not feel compelled to give. We are grateful that you're here this morning. I shared with you last week, I, if you're turning in your Bibles now, you can turn to Romans chapter 1. We will finish the chapter. I always have these grand plans about how long we'll be in each chapter, and I always take longer. Uh, I always take longer than I would like. But we're going to continue here, and I used this term last week, and I think it's a great title this morning. Um, the Great Exchange in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, The Great Exchange. Uh, maybe there is a better title than that because the exchange is not a great one in the sense of being positive. Um, the Romans chapter 1, The Great Exchange. I don't, uh, I will share with you, hopefully, thoughtfully, when someone says, brings up, or mentions, our LGBTQ and transgender community. Uh, I do not, uh, you know, you think about a lot of things. You think about our culture, um, maybe uh, someone in your family, or maybe even you yourself have been part of the community where you have wrestled in your own life with same-sex attraction. And we're going to deal with that topic this morning uh, because the Word of God deals with that topic. But I promise you, uh, I promise you this, uh, in my own life uh, and who I am, and ever since I've been in the city of Baltimore, um, I have been comfortable moving in and out of conversations and, and I have um, thoughtful relationships uh, with men and women who are part of the LGBTQ community uh, and transgender community uh, because every person that has ever been created and lived on this earth has been created in the image of God and um, needs to hear about God's love. Often in the Christian community, we are known for what we are against rather than what we are for. Uh, people say, or sometimes who we're against rather than who we're for. And we should never be known that way. As followers of Jesus Christ and as a Christian community, we should never be known that way. So we're going to wrestle with this topic this morning in the Word of God. And I'm going to share with you why I think Paul brings it up when he does and the way he does. Uh, but I want to be very, very clear that um, all sin is sin. And at the end of this chapter, Paul gives the longest exhaustive list of sins that appear in the New Testament, verse 32 in this chapter. And so he uses the sin of the homosexuality, the sexual sin. He uses that in this chapter, but he finishes. He finishes the chapter and begins chapter 2 with a very strong warning to believers. And so... I, I want to uh, I want to do this thoughtfully today. Um, you know, we were worshiping across the street, 
Uh, we had several, several of our friends who are part of the transgender community uh, were comfortable to come and worship in graffiti because it was a safe place in the community for them to be part of worship, have some breakfast, get to know some Christians who, who weren't judging them. And um, friends come and go on, in, on Greenmount Avenue, but you know what, that's how I want us to be known as a church family. Uh, because you know what, uh, my sin of choice, the one, my go-to sin, is probably different than your go-to sin, but only took one of those sins, uh, one of those sins for us, and really not even one of those, our, our human nature, to qualify us for eternal separation from God prior to knowing Jesus Christ, amen? amen. So I don't have a flowery, exciting story for you this morning, um, except that, uh, you know, I do have myself, friends and relationships uh, in the gay community, and. And when we, when I discuss these things in the Christian community, uh, I want us to be thoughtful and respectful uh, as we do so. Amen. Now I won't shy away from what the Word of God says, uh, but we're going to we're going to preach and hear from the Word of God appropriately uh, today. Amen? Amen. So here's what Paul says: In Romans chapter one, the great exchange continues. Remember, remember our key verses. In Romans chapter, in the whole book of Romans, it's Romans 1, 16 and 17. I memorized them when I was a kid. Sometimes I get nervous in front of crowds if I have to recite scripture. But if you forced me to, I probably could recite these verses. Uh, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous shall live by faith. So we have this, we talked about righteousness, and last week, verse 18, for the wrath of God, we began to talk about the wrath of God being revealed. Righteousness is revealed in the gospel through Jesus Christ, okay? Unrighteousness and all ungodliness is being revealed, unfortunately, in us. But the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. So we have righteousness, unrighteousness. We have righteous living. We have ungodly living. Paul's going to carry this theme in our need for Christ right on through Romans chapter 3. Okay? So we moved on and we said, remember last week, we talked about natural revelation. We said just waking up and seeing the sun or the rain in today's case. Uh, you know, God reveals himself to us through nature because he created nature and he created you and he created me. Often we just go back to the beginning, the book of Genesis, and we, we, we reaffirm our foundation in, in who God created us to be. But here, so we have natural revelation. If nobody else shared the gospel with me, I would be without excuse before God because God is revealing himself to me every day. Amen. That's a hard message, but we talked about that last week. We won't do it all over again today, and you'll be glad. So, but, uh, and then we said this great exchange began last week when men exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds, four-footed animals and crawling creatures. 
So what mankind, what we have done in our sinfulness, we exchange the glory of God. Instead of God being glorified, God being honored, and God being first, we have exchanged that. I say we, I'm saying our world, humanity. We have exchanged that for worshiping. And what this is, is what? It's simply idolatry, right? We began to worship. The moment I say that God is not in charge, I am. By the way, I say that every time I willfully sin, right? Uh, don't I? Yeah. I'm not talking about you. Y'all relax, right? Okay. So, I willfully sin. Uh, I'm saying that I'm on a throne and really I want to be in charge instead of God. And that's my short definition of idolatry, right? You may not have some uh, fancy statues in your house that you like some candles and bow down to every day, but you know what? When we say, God, I'm going to be in charge, we're saying, God, you're no longer worthy of being on the throne. I'm going to put myself on the throne today. And in that context, I'm going to read our scripture for today. So man has exchanged a couple things. We've exchanged the glory of God, the incorruptible God, for idolatry. Now I'm going to read verses 24, and we are, uh, you can follow along with me here. Therefore, so as a result of all of this, right? What's it there for? As a result of this, God handed them over. I know my Bible says gave them over, but this is very accurate and important. Therefore, God handed them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged, there's that word again, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen for this reason here it's a phrase again god handed them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural and in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned, strong word there in the Greek, in their desire toward one another, men with men, committing indecent acts, and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not to see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God handed them over, third time, handed them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers. I gotta take a gotta take a breath. I gotta take a breath to finish this list. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. And none of our teenagers are here today, are they? Um, I, would, I would have had a little fun with that one. Without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Now, verse Verse 32 really wraps this up. So we have three times 
Paul says that God handed them over. Now, in the Old Testament, this phrase was used often when God was talking about His people, the children of Israel. The Bible would say the same phrase in the Hebrew language um, that God handed over Israel's enemies to them in battle. So, so this idea that God is in charge, God is fighting for us, and God gave us the victory, even though the men had to be faithful and go out and fight, God handed over. But the flip side of this coin, God used the same phrase to say when Israel rebelled, his children, his people, rebelled against him, God handed them over to their enemies. Now, was this for the wrath and judgment of God? And, or was this for God's discipline in the Old Testament? Um, yes, we're moving on. <laughs> I just did not answer my own question. So, 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 so that's a tough one and for another day. That would be a rabbit hole for me. And uh, I don't have snicker bars and I didn't bring you lunch today. So, but nonetheless, the flip side, God handed over his own children to their enemies when they rebelled against God and did not trust Him and believe Him, in whatever case. And there are several, several things. And there are instances in the Old Testament, and one that is important in Genesis 18 and 19. Um, I'll just throw them both out there because my brain's not working. You understand, you remember, um, I used the phrase, I should be ashamed of myself, but I do it. I said, man, this place is worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. But Abraham, a lot went to this city against better judgment, and the angels came to visit, if you're familiar with the, with the account of God's Word. The angels came to visit, and um, they were going to stay out in the town. They didn't have anywhere to sleep, and Lot said, Oh, Lord, no, not here, but you better come in my house and uh, get some safety, right? And uh, the men of Sodom, it says a young man and an older man, all surrounded Lot's house. And for some reason, they were angry, and they said, Send these men out here that we might have relations with them. And Sodom was described as a wicked city where, um, where people were in the same condition that Paul describes here in Romans. And they wanted, to, uh, they wanted to have sexual relations with these men. And God and the angels, who in the form of men, the angels, there, did not allow that to happen, of course. And you know that God's wrath, His judgment, was pronounced against Sodom, remember? Um, and I won't go through the entire story, but God gave them an opportunity to escape, but God judged that city because of their, the fullness of their sinfulness. Not only because of that sin, but because of the fullness of their sinfulness. And we do know in the books of the law in the Old Testament uh, that um, the sin, uh, that sexual sin of homosexuality is talked about in Leviticus, the first book of the law. Deuteronomy, the second book of the law. Uh, but I would like to say this regarding the Old Testament. Um, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God makes it very clear, um, very clear that when He says He created man, one of the things that man is commanded to do is to rule over the earth. And part of ruling over the earth, man slash men and women, God created Adam and Eve. One of the things that they were supposed to do was to multiply over the face of the earth. Sometimes we have you know, a little levity with that. But, but really what God is saying, and within the boundaries of the marital relationship, our sexuality is to be celebrated. 
but the purpose of our sexuality um, is not necessarily always enjoyment and of course in our country today I would say recreational um, but it is to fulfill who God created us to be God said multiply and fill the earth the purpose of our sexuality is reproduction as mankind as humanity now look um, we don't have any young children here and if you need um, we need to do a little biology 101 uh, we'll do that later in the week. Um, call me. I'll let you buy me a cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> but you hear what I'm saying. So we go back to the foundation, to Genesis. And we know why God created us the way he did and for the purpose. Uh, our sexuality in the confines of, in the boundaries of marriage, is supposed to be a beautiful and wonderful and enjoyable and celebrated thing. But what do we do with all, with so many mankind, we do with so many of the blessings that God has bestowed upon us, we, we, we dirty them up. Um, I'm sure there's a more theological phrase for that. So, so we, have, we know why God created us. That's part of the purpose for which he created us. We saw what mankind, what we did, even in Sodom and Gomorrah in the Old Testament. And we hear Paul's, we hear Paul's warning to the people today. And so the exchange takes place. You know, he uses this, this God handing them over um, and three times. And I want to be, I want to do this carefully. But in verse 25, what, you, what we're going to see here is a cycle of sin. And the divine side of the cycle of sin has to be balanced with the human side of the cycle of sin. The best way, I think, for me to do this is to look at Ephesians 4.19 just briefly. I don't do this often. Um, Ephesians 4.19, listen to this. I'll start in 18. Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. Sound familiar? And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Matter of fact, we don't even do it. We do it with greediness. We won't we want get all of it, right? Um, and I said I was going to behave today because serious topic. But you know what Paul says in Ephesians to the Ephesian church? But you did not learn Christ in this way. So we go back and we see there's a, this, this human side. The human side is uh, we see we go from lust of the heart to degrading passions to a depraved mind. Three things. God handed them over um, for what purpose and, and handed over for what? And we'll, we see that here. Um, so we have, wow, sorry. We have lust of the heart. We have degrading passions, passions that have sunk down past what God intended them for. And then thirdly, um, a depraved mind. We're going to talk about depraved mind here because I, either God taught me something new or I just made it up. I hope it's something God taught me because <laughs> we're getting ready to share it with you in a few minutes. Um, so this cycle goes on. So, like a judge, 
Um, Moo on Romans. Moo is a guy's name. It really is. Douglas Moo wrote this, and, and I think it's worthy. Uh, it's worthy of us hearing. Like a judge who hands over a prisoner to the punishment his crime has earned, God hands over the sinner to the terrible cycle of ever-increasing sin. I was familiar with this when I was a teenager. Some of y'all know, you might remember I told you, my pastor took five years to preach through the book of Romans. I kid you not. One verse at a time. I was a teenager. I was asleep in church half the time. And y'all know I told you some of those Sundays I was hungover from the night before. But if you lived in my dad's house, you went to church no matter what condition you were in. Yeah, man. Ooh, man, rough days. But I remember having that fear. Am I ever going to get to the point? Because I was living in sin and knew it was wrong. I had confessed Jesus, been baptized, hallelujah, and everything else. And I'm, when I, so when I was out there sinning willfully, I'm ducking, right? I'm scared, right? Truthfully, the good kind too. Because I wondered, as God's child, would He give me over to that? And we're thinking here that Paul is, and don't misunderstand me, we're thinking here that Paul is talking about unbelievers, and I'll share that with you. You know, I'll share why with you in a moment. But even as a kid, I had that fear. Am I going to get to the point in the cycle of sin in my life that God just lets me have my way? Well, Ephesians says that. And you know, I've been almost in error. I've not, until today, I'm changing, I'm changing my phrase here in Romans 1. God handed them over. That says that God is sovereign and God is in control. Even when your life is out of control because of sinfulness, my life is out of control because of sinfulness, God is still in control of the Amen. universe. Amen. God didn't say, oops, I messed that one up. <laughs> oops, look at that one over there. Ooh, he's out of control. God is still sovereign. God is still on the throne. Right? Right. Amen. So, so we have this process of sin. And Paul, just he uses this... Um, the example of the sin of homosexuality or same-sex attraction. And this process is this exchanging the truth of God for a lie, worshiping the created thing rather than the creator. And we'll see here in just a moment, um, we'll see here in just a moment, he says in 26, we go from the lust of our heart to degrade. And you know what? Our sinfulness becomes even more obvious on the outside, right? Lustful passions in the heart, they're kind of in there, right? You, we might be tiptoeing around, dipping, dipping our toe in some sin. And, um, but then he says these degrading passions. The passions get to the point where we're going to be acting on them. Yeah. And um, so this lustful passion inside turns into the, the degrading passions where the women exchange. In verses 26 and 27, by the way, when Paul says natural use and natural, he, this is, I do not believe, and there are people smarter than me and people fall on both sides of this. I don't believe he's talking about in the divine sense. I think he's saying in the natural, in other words, in what we're supposed to do with our bodies naturally right? 
again, I'm not going to do biology 101. We're all grown-ups here. So this is not a divine thing. Paul's not saying, he's not talking about the actual sinfulness in this word when he talks, when he uses the natural, uh, natural function. It's almost scientific or biological. It's, this is naturally how the male body functions with the woman's body to create new life. So we, we leave the natural function and then our degrading passions and the lustfulness of our heart are play out unnaturally. We behave sexually in ways we were not created to behave. Man, that was almost polite. Somebody write that down. I want to remember that one. That one's not in my notes. We behave sexually in ways that we were not created to. Now, I know throughout the course of our history, um, you know, in the medieval times, you could be hanged or burned at the stake if you were found to be, um, uh, you know, participating in homosexual behavior. But then again, at the very same time, the Greeks and the Romans, uh, at some level, celebrated it. You know, Nero, Nero got married to at least, at least three men, and I'm using that term loosely because some of them were significantly younger than 18 um, by historical accounts. But Nero uh, had, was married to three men. <clears throat> Homosexuality and, um, um, use your words, Charlie, in the earlier time periods in Japanese, in Japanese samurai history and in Chinese, um, in the early dynasties of Chinese history, they found writings that celebrate and, uh, and you know, there are poetical writings and writings of love between man with man, women with... So, so when Solomon says that there's nothing new under the sun, there's really not. Christians say in our culture today, oh, oh, we're just going to Hades in a handbasket and, and gay marriage is legalized and, and, and we live in fear because of the sinfulness around us. Look, there's nothing new under the sun, my friends. There's not. There's nothing new under the sun. We have, we have in our Western Christianity, we've created a list of acceptable sins and unacceptable sins. Do you know what's acceptable in, in, in our churches now? Let's not even talk about people who don't know Christ, right? Let's do this. You know what's acceptable in a lot of our churches nowadays? If, if a guy moves in with his girlfriend, um, that's acceptable. Now, you know, we don't talk about him on Sunday morning if we don't have to, but that's acceptable. Oh, that's all they'll get married eventually. Oh, they're just in love. But you know what? God says no. Mm. God says no. It's right. fornication. Mm. It's adultery. Come on, man. If, 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 if a man or a woman is married and, and having sex with, um, you know, a partner of the opposite gender, that's called adultery. That's sexual sin. Do you think God says, oh, that's sin. Oh, that sin's all right. But that one, oh, that's horrible. Mm. I think we're going to burn you at the stake and hate you. We're going to hate you and make you so that you don't want to come in our church. But you over here, your sexual sin, well, we'll just look the other way and you're welcome in our church. Oh, wow, wow is right. Wow is right. Uh, and we wonder why folks who don't know Jesus call us hypocrites sometimes. As a group, as a group, we've earned that. 
I read a book, and, and, I, and you'll be glad I didn't find it and get it back out because I get carried away. There's these six things that, um, everything that the church is against. And, and the book is basically saying, man, what a horrible way to be recognized, for the church to be thought of or recognized, right? But Paul says it here nevertheless. And it does happen. And it can happen, it can happen to any one of us. These lustful passions and then um, degrading passions. And we're acting on this in a way that is not natural, that God did not intend. And then it says the depraved mind. Now this was a scary part. Um, and I'm not saying you should be scared. I'm just saying for me, this was a part where I kind of wrestled a little bit uh, in the Word of God. Watch this. Man or woman has a depraved mind. We become no longer able to go back and do what was moral and right. We're so up in it, we... Well, I could have phrased that better. <laughs> we, we're, we're so caught up in it that we just can't stop. The depraved mind. I cannot return. I cannot stop this. And what does that, what does that mean? Verse 28 here, it says, um, this depraved mind is defined as a, a worthless mind. People who have refused to acknowledge God end up with minds that are disqualified from being able to understand and acknowledge the will of God. Wow, Douglas Moose said that, not me, because you can tell, right? It's really good. And then he says, Paul stresses that people who have turned from God are fundamentally unable to think and decide correctly about God and His will. Oh my goodness. Doesn't that sound like a desperate situation? Doesn't that sound like a scary situation that you would hate to find yourself stuck in? It is. It does, right? And I start to thinking, wow, how am I going to preach this, right? Man, I, now it's raining and, and pastors preaching about all kinds of terrible sins. And, but here is what struck me. Praise God for who He is. If I look over at this most familiar verse still in the book of Romans, Chapter 12, verse 2. Y'all ever like real insecure about licking your fingers ever since the coronavirus? I just licked my fingers. Sorry. And <laughs> Romans 12, 2 says this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. If you find yourself, if I find myself in that position, guess what? And you know, in the Greek language, that word transform, remember the movie Transformers? I love that movie. Yeah, it's just like that. The Greek word is, is a form of metamorphosis. It, you, my mind can be transformed. My mind can be, in a good sense, turned into what it was not yesterday by God. And then when that happens, when God is doing that, then I am able to discern what the will of God is. That which is gap. I use the word gap so I never forget it. Good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, and then my second thought here, my second encouraging thought here is this. You know 
and then my little bit of my theology is going to come out here, that even when you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that even when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you didn't choose God, He chose you. Mm. I'm glad y'all like, like that because <laughs> that's real truth. Yeah. And, and here's the thing about that. Here's the thing about that. You may not even have known you needed Jesus Christ mm -hmm. until that moment in time when you heard, you heard the gospel and the Holy Spirit quickened that in your heart and in your mind. Yeah. Therefore, therefore, even the man or the woman who has a depraved mind is not beyond the scope of help of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, regardless of what regardless of what you are or who you are attracted to sexually, regardless of what your sin of choice may be, even if you and I, one of us finds ourselves or you see someone and in your mind, you wouldn't say it out loud because you're nice people, but man, that person's depraved. Well, they are not. Don't write them off. Don't judge them because they are not beyond the scope of salvation because of who God is. Oh, it gets better in chapter 2. I'm going to really be fired up next week because Paul calls Christians out in 2 verse 1. And y'all want to get a little glimpse behind the curtain. Read Romans chapter 2. You'll be ready for next week. But here's what, here in verse 32 as we begin to wrap things up. Okay, because remember, God handed them over. That's serious business. Uh -huh. God handed them over. And look at verses, um, in verse 29 through 31 is a long list of sins. Now, I'm just going to say this. Well, you know what? I'm going to talk about me. You can't find me in that list oh, yeah. of sinfulness there. You can <laughs> You can find me in there. But, but you know what? Gossip's okay, right? Hey, y'all didn't see what Diane did. Let me tell y'all what Diane did the other day. But look, don't tell her, but I caught her doing this. Or slander, or slander. You know what? Um, I bet the mayor done ripped off money. I bet the mayor done ripped off money out of every bank account in the city. You know that's slander because I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue whether or not I, the mayor of a certain city robbed his city. I don't know that. But I slander people if I'm not careful. That's a sin. Is that acceptable? No. Okay. Well, so, and we could go on, right? I mean, sometimes, like, murder is pretty obvious. Um, oh, man, well, you know what? Murder is a bad <laughs> sin, right? But, but what about gossip? What about deceit? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to color this a little shade over here and so that I'm going to be just deceitful enough to get away with it. What about malice? Man, I'm going to do something to you just because I don't like you. I'm mad. I'm mad. And I'm going to do something to you. I have no good reason for not liking you. I just don't like you. So now I'm going to do something to you. That's acceptable. Right? Oh, oh, fair stop. So, yes, ma'am. I want your shirt. I'm covetous your shirt. Oh, covetousness. Absolutely. That's right. And how about this? Arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. Disobedient to parents. That one always like, kind of got me when I was a teenager. <laughs> we were bad kids, you know? And <laughs> That's right. Verse 31. Here he says it again because remember, without understanding. Because God's wrath 
is being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. So without untrustworthy, unloving, you're just I'm just not a nice person. Unmerciful. I want to be forgiven, but I remember everything you did to me the last ten years. We've been knowing each other, and I don't trust you. And I'm gonna let you forget it either. Amen. But look, but look, you can come to church if that's your sin. If that's your sin. But but um some churches, some churches do not extend that same grace, if you will, um, to our friends in the LGBTQ and transgender community. Some of us don't know how to act, so we're just fearful and we're just fearful, fearful, and sometimes we are ignorant, not in a mean sense, just ignorant of what someone else's life is like. But look, here, here we go. So, so you guys get the picture here. Paul's not just, Paul is not just uh, uh, railing against the, sin, uh, the sexual sin of homosexuality. Paul says, look, Look, he gives this whole exhaustive list of sinfulness, but look what he says in verse 32. And although they knew the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do them, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Wow, so now I'm not just doing it. Now I'm going to create some new stuff, right? And, and I'm going to get you involved in it. And then after I get you involved, then I'm going to cheer you on. And we're just all going to take, we're going to take everybody to hell with us that we possibly can. Paul says, look, this is the kind of evil, this is the level of evil, watch this, that each and every one of us, apart from Jesus Christ, are capable of. Come on now. We are. That's right. Nobody so, so before we jump up and down and shout and point some ugly fingers at the gay community, or, or, or gay people that we watch this don't even know. Don't even know. You know, there is a, there is a, um, a safe house for, um, there's a safe house in our community for our, some of our transgender friends. And we have relationships with uh, some of the folks there. And um, they, some of them live in fear of being hurt and harmed because of who they are and, and who they want to be. And Graffiti Church has said, you know what? Hey, let's talk. Is there any way we could, you know, support your house? Is there any way? And we're having conversations, hopefully that lead to conversations about Jesus. And not so we can change somebody. Oh, no. And not so we can judge somebody. Because we should have a desire. I should have a desire to share the love of Jesus Christ with everyone. I don't need to know what your sin of choice is. Yeah, some are more obvious than others. I'm drunker than Cootie Brown stumbling down the street. Y'all know I got a problem, right? I mean, that's an easy one, right? But, but listen, um, and Paul does. He, he makes it very clear. And sexual sin is personal, right? It involves the depths of our being and the depths of someone else's being. And the sexual sin is personal. And it links us to people in a strong way. Whether, I, I mean, sinful or not sinful, we're linked to people in a strong and powerful way. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be certain. We need to be certain that we extend the same love and mercy and even our own, watch this, take a risk, our own friendship or care for those in the gay community as God may give you opportunity to as we do everyone else. Amen? Amen.
Guys, you know, I think it might be a good time to go to prayer. And in a moment, I'll ask, uh, I'll ask Josh uh, to come back and lead us. Now, now, and when Josh comes, I just want us, I like to bow my head and pray, consider the word of God. Because listen, it is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. If you don't have Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, make today that day. But maybe we just need a tune-up. Maybe I need a heart change towards people who are different than me for whom I have judged previously in my life. Maybe I need to be prepared. And look, seriously, y'all need to read chapter 2. Especially, and if you're lazy like me, just read verse 1. That's, yeah, just read chapter 2, verse 1. But during this time when Josh comes in a moment to lead us, I'll pray and then Josh will come. Just spend that time in prayer, okay? And if you doze off, I won't hold it against you. <laughs> Father God, I pray this morning, Lord, as you speak to the hearts of your children, speak to the hearts of your people, speak to my heart, Lord God, about loving people, about my own sinfulness, about my go-to sins. And Father God, may we ever be true to your word. Save one today, Lord Jesus, who needs you. We thank you for what you're already doing through your Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.